When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points, and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Hello one and all, welcome to this week's Love Rugby League podcast, a weekly look at life and league. Drew Derbyshire, our assistant editor, is with us, uh, concentrating first and foremost on International Week and the All-Stars concept with England playing an All-Stars, a combination All-Stars uh, team at, at Warrington. Uh, prior to that, we can uh, just wrap up the weekend that has just gone, as we like to do. Uh, where were you and, and, and what did you see, Drew? Well, I was at Salford on Friday. They they played Wigan. Uh, it was a it was good. it was an entertaining game. I thought um, I enjoyed watching it. It was kind of the the Bevan Field and Jayfield, uh, the Bevan French and, and Jayfield show, um, as we've seen so many times this season. And I thought Salford had a good dig, but they never seemed on the front foot. I thought it was Wigan's win throughout. Um, I was impressed with the performances of the front rowers, especially the youngsters Ethan Havard and, and Liam mm. Byrne who have gone on to sign new deals with the club um, I think that's a, a great bit of business uh, from Wigan I just thought Salford just they, they didn't quite seem there if, it, if they was playing a team uh, in the bottom half of the table they might have had a chance of winning the game uh, but Wigan just ultimately too strong too good uh, and they've got French and Field which uh, are the dynamic duo in Super League right now uh, I know you were there because I was sitting very near you um I enjoyed that game as well. What a few things actually that struck me about that game. Uh, the intensity was was ferocious. I think I said to you at one point when it was was it six nil or something that like this could finish six nil because Wigan were playing it like they do at the moment, like every game is a grand final. Um, defensively resolute, really stubborn, and then as we saw when they cut loose second half, almost unplayable. And what that left me thinking is that going forward they are as good, if not better, I think at the moment than St Helens which was what was really interesting in the press conference afterwards when I put those points to Matt Pete, 
was how coy he was about that. And they, they're clearly on a drive at Wigan at the moment um, as, they, as they rise back up to where they want to be. They're on a drive to manage expectations. Yeah. Now, now, for me, I don't think there's much between St. Helens and Wigan. If you ask Matt Pete, which is what I did, he said, we're, 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 what did he say? We're third best, aren't yeah. we? We're, we're the third best team in Super League. And he also said it's going to take us years. I was like, I, I think they're pretty much there, personally. Well, I think some of that was mind games, wasn't it, George? I think we're going to certainly up there. And, and I'm not sure about you, but for me, a lot of people seem to be talking about Wigan right now. And not a lot of people are talking about Saints, yeah. which is a bit strange. We've not had that. And it's in. not what Wigan want, which yeah. is almost like they're, they're winning the Challenge Cup final has actually gone against what they want, which is to quietly come under the radar to the point where they can meet Saints. Now everyone's talking about them. And it's like, it's no secret anymore that Wigan are building something good. Well, exactly. And the Challenge Cup final was moved forward, wasn't it? And it was brought brought to May a couple of weeks ago. They, they beat Huddersfield in, in the final um, at Tottenham. So that's kind of put them in the spotlight again and it's taken Saints out of the spotlight even though they are three-time champions back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of put Wigan as the main focus and, 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 and I don't understand why. Not a lot of people are talking about Saints. Um, obviously, they, they suffered a, a season-ending injury to Louis Stodd earlier on in the season, which is a massive blow for, for, for Saints because... Johnny Lomax is playing through the pain barrier at the minute with a bicep injury. I'm not sure if he'll, if he'll end up playing in the World Cup for England. So there are two key positions. Uh, and Johnny Lomax is playing at, what, 70% of what he, yeah. what he probably can be at the moment the, the, without uh, Louis Stodd. So they're, they're having to go through some positional changes. We're going to obviously uh, beat Saints in the Challenge Cup semi-final when they last played. Um, so I think we're going to certainly on the, the front foot at the minute but I also uh, think at the same time Saints won't, won't, won't mind going under the radar because everyone wants to knock Saints off the perch as mm. uh, Paul Wellens told you last yeah, week yeah. On, on last week's Liverpool League podcast George so uh, I think Saints will be quietly confident they can still go out and, and get the job done and, and get the get to the big dance but so can Wigan, and and I think if they don't end up meeting each other in the playoffs, then I think that will be this year's grand final. Uh, the other game I was at, well, I wasn't at. We were we covering it remotely from a studio. Was was Cornwall against Keithley? We won't discuss that too much because Keithley's director of rugby, Andrew Henderson, is our big interview, and he always has a lot to say. So I'll let him say that. But um, I, it's a fascinating chat, especially there's a chunk on expansion and how it works and how it doesn't work, and and Henderson's views as a, as a guy who was was born down in Devon of how that could work or how it might fail in Cornwall is, is worth listening out for. After the All-Stars chat, we were we recorded our chat while Henderson was in camp, uh, having just retreated to his hotel room in his Combined Nations All-Stars tracksuit. Uh, so there's some great insight as well. Let's talk about that game uh, then first and foremost because, foremost, because it is an international week. Um, we'll discuss England's squad, the strength or, or lack of it in a moment, but, but the concept itself... My view on this is that uh, it's not good. Uh, I don't think it's going to last. I think uh, I understand the original idea behind it. I think it's something could work if there's universal buy-in. But when there isn't universal buy-in, i.e. the clubs don't really want the players playing in it, it's a bit of a farce to me. And it's the same as... Well, actually, it was worse 12 months ago because we had Super League games going on at the same weekend. And it was utter chaos in terms of who on earth is going to play and who's going to play for who. And that might still be the case this week with England players actually ended up playing for the other team, which Sean Wayne said could be the case. 
for me, I just think in a World Cup year where it's so important to be to be back in England and the home nation, supporting them, releasing players, letting the coaches have time with them, and then we've got this chaotic shambles shambles of a fixture in the middle of the season where a quarter of the players are made up of Warrington players who are on form the worst team in the league. I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a fan of the All Stars concept. Um, to be honest, I'm a, I'm a massive advocate of, of international rugby league. I'm a huge fan of the international game. I want it to thrive. I want us to have more fixtures. But what is the problem or the issue with England just playing France mid-season? Catalan Dragons came into Super League with the idea of helping improve the French national team in 2006, 2007, was it? That's not happened. The, the French national team hasn't improved that much. It, there's, a, there's a number of great players who play for the French national team, but uh, they've not reached the heights that we'd have hoped for. But how can they do that when they don't play enough games against the, the better opposition, i.e. England? Uh, it's, it's a strange one in rugby league because we're, we're in the Northern Hemisphere and the other teams, Australia, New Zealand, Tonga, Fiji, Cook Islands, Samoa, etc., are all on the other side of the world, so it's not easy to arrange fixtures uh, every couple of months, and, and that's total, totally understandable. But what you have got is two nations who do play a lot of rugby league in France and England. I don't see why uh, that game can't be the the mid-season test every single year. That, in my opinion, England should just travel to France and play over in France at a different location every mid-season help the game grow over there and then at the end of the year you can play the big boys the Aussies the, the Kiwis and the, the Tongans Samoans etc um, if, if they're willing to play I just think with the, all -star, all, with the All-Stars concept in reality players don't really care for it um, and, and that's with all the all respect to the players they don't really they don't grow up and say I want to be a combined nations All-Star player one day they, they just don't so if you ask some of the overseas lads in Super League the likes of King Vinayaya were at Salford. Mm. Uh, who, who would you rather play for, Fiji or Combined Nations? Is, is, I think I know what he's going to say. If you if you ask um, Chris Satai at Hull, does he want to play for Tonga or Combined Nations? You'd pick Tonga. It's it's easy to see they've got that emo The players have got an emotional attachment to a country of of where they were born or or the heritage, and they want to represent that. With the combined nations, it's all just thrown together. It's a it's a made up team. I'm not a fan of the concept whatsoever. Um, I think I'd, I'd love to see a triple header of of international uh, games. It could be at Warrington. You could have England versus France as the, as the main event, and then pre that you could have Wales v Ireland, and then Scotland versus Jamaica. Every single one of those teams is playing at the World Cup later this year in this country. You could bring new fans in, you could get communities, you could get the Jamaican community in there, uh, you can bring them in, you can bring families of, of such heritage over uh, to the triple header. Uh, and, and a lot of the players are based in this country anyway, and I think that would be brilliant yeah. for for all fans of, to, of rugby league to watch. And in, in effect, it'll be like a mini magic weekend, and I, and I don't think it'd take that much organising as well. Because you're not scrambling to clubs saying, oh, can this player play? Can this player play for him? Or are they available to play this weekend? Because you're you're always available for your country. And and I know for a fact that if you ask Lachlan Coote, Scotland or, or Combined Nations, he's going to pick Scotland, yeah. isn't he? Because he, he, the players have got a, an emotional attachment to playing to these nations. They don't really have that 
identity of, of the Combined Nations All-Stars and, and it's simple. For me, for me, the whole tone of this week was set by the chaotic Monday where players were, players were by their phones waiting to see whether they're being called up. One of them, who I spent Sunday with working, Ryan Briley, who was on standby, standby he was going to go away and then he decided not to because he really wanted to play in this game. And then he never just got a call. And then when they come out and name a squad, I think three hours after they were supposed to because they didn't have enough players, they named 19 and you're supposed to name 20, yet they had a guy on standby who they didn't ring. And then in a delayed press conference when I asked that, Ellery Hanley let slip, which I don't think he should have done, that they were actually going to call someone up a, a special, big special announcement who, with all respect to David Fafita, wasn't this big <laughs> special guest announcement. He let that slip, which I don't think he should have done. The press conference itself... Half the media didn't know about until it was happening and they were added to a list because um, some other company came in to, to look after the arrangements who I don't think had worked much in rugby league before. And then Ellery's Zoom camera wasn't even turned on for it. It was just, it, it was why, it's, it's kind of a week where I understand why I love rugby league and get so frustrated by it in equal measure because I love, like you, the international games. And then you get into an international week and it's just utter chaos. Which, that in, in itself, you get 17 players in a rugby league team and 16 of the original 17 have withdrawn uh, for whether it be injury or whether it's it's because the club doesn't fancy the player playing so so what's the point mm. you've, you've got 16 of the 17 who have, who have pulled themselves out or have been pulled out well you've got, um, you've got the feeling that poor Ellery Hanley rugby league legend didn't fully appreciate what he'd let himself in for uh, you know Ellery Hanley he, he's the name in charge, he's the brand in charge of this all stars. But no, he's not their coach. Andrew Henderson is is running this team. Andrew Henderson is organising, running, and coaching this team. And Ellery's kind of kind of there, being Ellery Hanley. But then he's come into this situation where he's like, "Is this what coaching is all about?" And Andrew Henderson actually says in the podcast we're about to, in the big interview, we're, we're going to play it in just a second. It's like I did warn, I did warn Ellery that this is chaos, and he's just found it out. But if it, but if it is chaos, it can't go on. No. You, can't, you can't just do this every single season because it was the exact same last year that um, it was a, a late uh, team announcement for the All-Stars because it was scrambling around for plays again. It was the exact same this year. Uh, I, I I don't see how it goes on and God forbid, I think it'll be a poor attendance at Warrington as well, I think. Yeah, I'll have I, I, I can't see them getting anything close to, to 10,000. Um, I think they'll aim for... Five or six, do you think? Yeah, you'll be there or thereabouts. I mean, they're not... If if you're a local to Warrington, it's not the kind of season where you're thinking, yeah, I really fancy some more rugby league this afternoon. It's like, actually, I might have a break from rugby league this weekend. Uh, anyway, um, Andrew Henderson's got his uh, his unique insight into to the concept and the All-Stars team. Just a couple of words before we hear from Hendo, who is this week's big interview on the Love Rugby League podcast, about the England side, the squad and the makeup of it. Um, for me, it's weak. It lacks depth. Uh, it's the kind of squad which, okay, we're miles away from what Sean Wayne wants in you know five months time, whenever it is for the World Cup, four months now. Uh, he he will want a much stronger team, I think, than the one that he's going to be sending out this weekend. But still, there are players in there who who will be fighting for places. Talking points, as you know, as we revealed a week or two ago, exclusively on Love Rugby League, the hooker situation. Um, my understanding has been for the last few weeks that it's Roby and McAlorum. They are the two that Sean Wayne thinks he would trust 
to play for England in a World Cup final if England get there. And that's what he is picking his England squad on. It's how can we compete in a World Cup final? There are two hookers he trusts to do that. And they are Michael McAlorum and James Roby. And a lot of eyebrows were raised when I said that because neither of them are playing for England. McAlorum, last played nine years ago, has been playing for Ireland. But Wayne loves him and he wants him in that squad. And I think he'll be in that squad in the World Cup. The other one is Roby. The coaching staff, very coy. Yes, they'd welcome him back. Still the best nine around. Everyone knows that. But it's got to be up to Roby. My understanding is they're very, very confident that he will be there. And they will, they will be the two. Simply because you look around and the other options aren't in form. Yeah. McShane, no, uh, I th- Clark, I th- I leaving. England have got to do everything they can to get James Robbie out of retirement. They, they, have, they have to. He's still the best nine in, in Super League. He's still bossing it. He, he brought... Uh, the Super League record for for number of appearances last weekend, uh, surpassing the the great Kevin Sinfield. Mickey McAlorm's a, a strange one. I I've got a soft spot for Ireland because I've got Irish heritage, so I I kind of wanted uh, McAlorm to to play for Ireland, but it seems strange because he wasn't in, even named in Sean Wayne's squad at the start of the year when when he did the uh, England. Uh, performance squad. I think it was Daryl Clark, Paul McShane, Cruz Leeming mm. uh, involved. Apologies if I've, if I've missed anyone else. Uh, but Leeming's not even made the cut, has he? Uh, so he might be playing for the the combined nations because um, because he, he he did do in t- in twenty twenty one. So it is a strange one. But if if Wayne opts to go with the Robbie and McAlorum, then then so be it because the are both mm. brilliant hookers and. And McAlorum, I've been a massive fan for him for a, for a number of years. He's, he was great at Wigan, wasn't he? And then he's he's, he's still killing it at Catalan. But Robbie's got to be out of retirement. If, if, I think if, if I go as far as to say is if England have any hope of winning the World Cup, then I think James Robbie yeah. needs to be involved because you look at the last uh, England squad that reached the World Cup final in 2017, there was Kevin Brown, now retired. There was Sam Burgess, no retired. Sean O'Loughlin, no retired. Josh Hodgson won't be won't play because he's done his ACL. Uh, James Graham, James Graham no retired. Yeah. There's a lot of players yeah. who are not in this current lineup. Yeah, the talisman uh, are, are missing from England. Uh, there's loads loads of other questions which we'll, we'll ponder over the next few months. The wing the wing situation when Jermaine McGilfrey announced. Quite his shop retirement the other week. I, I assumed he'd been told he wasn't involved, but actually he was involved opposite. in the last tournament as well. Yeah, and he, um, I'm, I'm told he he was he was one of the start was going to be one of the starting wingers, form permitting for this forthcoming World Cup. So suddenly now he's gone. My understanding from speaking to people within the camp is that as it stands, it's Makinson and Davis who will be the starting wingers, unless anyone else is able to play themselves into contention. Who might that be? Well, Sean Wayne was over in Australia recently, and he's he's recently revealed that he tried to have discussions with Dom Young about his eligibility, yeah. but he couldn't because <laughs> he wasn't allowed <laughs> because of Dom Young's agent. So, who knows who who Dom Young will play for? Whether it be Jamaica or England, he's he's certainly bossing it in in the NRL at the moment. It seems to to be scoring every single week. He's I think he's six foot seven as well. He's a beast uh, on the wing, absolute so. beast. But England have got the the good thing about England. They, they've got plenty of wing options. They've they've probably got what ten wingers who mm-hmm. who are more than capable of stepping up. Whereas I think it's in the centres where we're lacking. Yeah. In I don't think it'll be the wingers who win or lose England the World Cup. There, there was another blow last weekend, wasn't there, to to Herbie, Herbie Farnham? Yeah, I actually tweeted that <laughs> Herbie Farnham was with a guaranteed England starter, and five minutes later he had a season-ending injury after scoring two tries. I hope I hope he can get himself fit. But even if he's fit, he won't have played in the last five months. 
So that's a huge blow. Uh, just before we get into the big interview, a word on the other home nations who, who are obviously looking ahead to the World Cup and, and Wales have got their, their outing against mm. against Francis uh, this coming weekend. Yeah, and, and Rhys Williams, the, the long-serving winger there, uh, he currently plays at Salford in, in Super League, going to be Wales' most capped player. Uh, if, he, if he does play against uh, France this weekend, I think he'll have 31 caps to his name, overtaking Ian Watson as, as Wales' all-time uh, leading appearance holder. It's a, a phenomenal achievement, but... It's uh, I think it's just that that stat in itself is a call that we need more international games because he's only made is mm. the world's all-time appearance holder and he's played 31 games. I know it's I know it's a lot, but at the same time when you compare it to rugby union and rugby union players get 150 caps to the name, it's it's uh, it's not so much. But what a phenomenal achievement from from Reece Williams and and there's a number of uh, uncapped players in that Wales squad as well and. I think it's. I think every player in that France squad comes from Catalans and, and Toulouse. Oh no, it doesn't because Morgan Escaré. Escaré, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So a big weekend with, with Wales uh, in action. Double header for England. Combined nations and the the, uh, the women involved as well. And the wheelchair uh, squad play on Sunday. Speaking of needing to play more international rugby, well, Andrew Henderson has played I think twenty four, twenty three or twenty four times for Scotland, which makes him their second highest appearance maker ever behind the great Danny Brough and Hendo, the assistant coach of the Combined Nations All-Stars, is this week's Love Rugby League Big Interview. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Well, welcome to this week's big interview with one of league's big names and in International Week, in All-Star Week, it is the uh, Combined Nations assistant head coach, Mr Andrew Henderson. Uh, very early in camp, uh, you're joining us as we record this podcast. I can already see that uh, you've had a long day, you've had a long day, haven't you? I've had a very long day, George. <laughs> uh, I've had a very long, to be honest, a long weekend, you know, a big, yeah. big trip down to Cornwall with the Keithley Cougars and then uh, back from that. Um, and then obviously straight into straight into the All Stars camp, uh, along with managing some work for uh, our lovely people and friends at Premier Sports, uh, covering the uh, the Lee Featherstone game last night. And, and then it's another big day today in camp as the players arrive for the the international game this weekend, which we're, we're very much excited to to be part of and looking forward to. You love it though. You love being busy. Um, I'll, I'll ask you. I'll ask you about Keithy and about Cornwall in in a sec. Let, let's start with the camp. Uh, you've arrived in camp. Yeah. It's, it's a fixture that has had a lot of talk. It has, I'd say, a fair few critics as well because it's been hard for both teams to know um, what team they've got. And I know for you and you and Ellery, you know, it, I was waiting for the squad as members of the media were. It just kept getting pushed back, and I just thought, I bet they still don't know what what the squad of players was. How, how is it from your side? Yeah, look, I mean, look, I'll be I'll be honest with you. The majority of the squad we'd had nailed down. Uh, but obviously, again, there was a, as I did warn Ellery of this, there'll be some twists and turns and curveballs and different permutations that'll, that'll be a result. I mean, I, I was part of the experience last year with Tim Sheens and, uh, and obviously it was, I think it was a little, little bit more difficult last season because there were games going to be featuring on that international weekend. So we probably just didn't quite have the buy-in from the clubs. Uh, they were reluctant to release players or putting a lot of pressure on players. Uh, about the fixture. So, you know, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. You know, we, we rocked in on Monday, Tim and I, with the rest of the staff, and we had 12 players at the start of the week. And it was it was 
literally a a side that was thrown together through the week. You know that where players drip fed through through the week. I mean, I know one player turned up literally for the game, uh, Liam Kay, and he just warmed up and he picked picked up a match win and bonus as well. So we all have a laugh and a joke about that. But uh, but that's the nature as it was. And 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 again, I, I suppose. You know, you could argue, you know, on reflection that it probably wasn't the right... It was an important fixture because at that time we thought the World Cup was going ahead. So England needed to hit out. They felt playing a combined nation side was the way forward for them. Um, so that's why we were happy to, to take that role on and, and facilitate the fixture for England. Uh, but unfortunately, I just think with the, the, the logistics of the Super League still being played on that weekend, it did make yeah. it very, very difficult. But... You know, as a result, I thought we delivered a fantastic performance. Uh, uh, the group of players that represented the Combined Nations All-Stars last season were a credit uh, not only to themselves and their families and their clubs, but also to, to this badge here that I'm, that I'm wearing on my on my chest, you know. And, um, you know, they represented their countries with honour and uh, and did a real good duty and service to, to the badge. So this season we come in with a little bit better preparation in terms of it is an international weekend. There's, there's no fixtures being played. Um, so it has allowed us to get a squad of players together a little bit earlier. Uh, however, we have had a few players uh, pull out with injuries because there has been a run of games over the weekend prior to this fixture. Um, so we've had a number of players pull up with injuries from the weekend. Uh, Carlos Tumavave, probably one that was notable there with an issue. He come off uh, with an ankle injury against Catalans. Uh, and a few other guys have pulled up picked up knocks as well. So uh, add to that a couple that got suspended. I think that's Tim Lifi and Mason Lena have both received suspensions. So, yeah, again, that's another thing that's disrupted us. So, yeah, so like, what I'm trying to say is the core of the side was was already there, but we, ha we have had to make some late changes to the squad. Uh, the other thing as well is obviously being made aware of the availability of Daryl Clark and Cruz Leeming as well, which we obviously weren't aware of at the start. Um, and, and that was something I did say to Ellery, you know, there will be an element of that at the end where there'll be players that are within that England setup that will qualify for the combined nations. So we need to keep that in mind that there'll be an opportunity to potentially get some players there or that Sean Wayne may want to have a look at in this side as well. So, um, so yeah, so like I said, so that those guys have come up, which have added to the squad, which is great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it's a unique challenge that you have to face. It's not a traditional sort of international camp where, you know, these are the players you've got available. They will be available. There's so many different uh, twists and turns, uh, or I suppose guidelines you've got to adhere to as well, because you're only allowed six players per club, you know, that can feature for either one of the nations as well. So that's another thing. So St. Helens named six uh, players in their England squad. I know Knowles has dropped out now, but they had six in there. So that meant we can't get anybody from St. Helens. even well, if how, we did. How, how did Warrington manage to get seven in then? There was five uh, in the England squad and you've got two. Yeah. Well, it's apparently the rule is on if they play. So that's going to right. probably tell you okay. that not all those warranted players will play in that in that. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. So anyway, that's to cut the longer story. So the, the I suppose the the painting I'm trying to uh, yeah. the picture I'm trying to paint here is to say that there's a lot of things contributing factors because I, I know there'll be a lot of fans will be thinking, well, how come he's not in? How come there's no Saints players in? How come they not? You know, the reality is is we're governed by how many are in are in England, and obviously initially. Sean announced a 30-man squad. So there was a number of players from certain clubs there, which meant when we announced our initial 30-man squad, we had to fit that around how many players were in the England squad first, if that if that made sense. Yeah. And then obviously as uh, as time's gone on, 
Um, you know, Ellery, Ellery always made it very clear that people, even though they weren't initially named in that squad, could force their way in. So a couple of players, their form has dictated that they're not in this squad now and that other new faces have come in. But then we've also been uh, dictated by injury and dictated by the final England, England squad as well, uh, which meant that's probably why it was, a, again, a last-minute sort of announcement of the squad uh, late yesterday till we, we knew we had every everybody covered because it was also important for us, George, that when we did know potentially some new players that had become available, or we learned that, Oh my goodness, he's now been suspended. Um, we've then had to go and make sure we contacted other players to make sure they're available because, you know, it's a free weekend. Some players have already got pre-planned holidays booked yeah, or time yeah. off from their clubs. So there's a lot of things that we've had to face, but in saying all that, um, I'm really, really proud and pleased that we've managed to get us a, a squad together that uh, I feel are a, a quality group of players and group of individuals and good people and uh, want to be here, um, are proud to represent this this combined nations all stars team and and are hungry to to deliver a performance on the weekend against a, a good England side. Uh, this this is really a, f a fixture for, for England to to help yeah. England to help England build for the World Cup. It, that that's what it's been created for. So. How do you think you can help England? I mean, not that you would want to as a former Scotland captain, but how, oh, look. How, how, how does this fixture for you, what, what can you do to help Sean Wayne in England in the World Cup? I suppose that's my question. Challenge them. Challenge them. We've got to, we, you know, and that's ultimately what we've got to do is, is, you know, is perform to that international standard, that level of a, of a tier one nation, you know, because that's ultimately, if, they're, if they are going to have a chance of progressing to those final stages of the World Cup and winning it, then they've got to be able to compete and beat um, those sort of nations. I mean, you can argue a little bit too with the England squad, they are missing a few of the, the NRL contingent, which will, yeah. we know naturally will come into that World Cup squad at the back end of the, end of the year. But for the rest of the players that are in that current team of England, you know, a large chunk of those guys will be involved in the World Cup squad, you would think, come the end of the year. So, you know, those guys need to be tested. Um, they need to have an opportunity to build some combinations with each other, uh, build that trust and rapport, but also be challenged by a, a good uh, team that's, that you know, to give them a little bit of a taste of what's coming uh, World Cup time. Uh, I thought we did a really good job of that last season as a, as a group, and it was uh, it was brilliant to be part of a, a winning team and get that result. I know Sean Wayne and the England uh, staff and players won't be happy with that. I'm sure they'll be highly motivated to right those wrongs this year, uh, especially with the importance of the World Cup coming up. But we'll, we'll certainly be going out there to do our best to not only compete, but but beat them. I'm not going to go through all the selections on both sides because that would be the most boring podcast I've ever done. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because it's you and 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 I've mentioned Warrington, your your recent club that where you spent a lot of time was Warrington. Yes. Uh, you surprised by? I mean, 25% of the English squad is is made up of Warrington, who are probably the worst form side in Super League at the moment. Yeah. So how has that ended up being the case that there's more Warrington players than? across the two sides than anyone. Well, I think that what, what that's suggesting to me, George, is that the people in the roles that they're in, uh, Ellery Hanley uh, and myself here involved with the Combined Nations and Sean Wayne and his coaching team in England, obviously see the value of those players in terms of their talent and their ability. Um, for whatever reason, they're not 
they've not probably been performing as a team because don't forget rugby league's a team sport. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, you can't just single out one individual player for that Warrington team. They're just not playing well enough collectively, you know, consistently well enough, I should say, for, for long enough periods in games. You know, they we've seen glimpses of some of what they can and can do, and but it just hasn't been for long enough periods and, and, and consistent enough over the course of the season. I don't know the answers as to why that is. You know, that's a question for for the coaching team and the and the people involved at Warrington, you know, it's, it is disappointing as a as a former employee of the club. You know, I want to see the club do well and and, and you know move on and, and build from where we were. Um, so it's it's tough to watch at the moment and see that, but I'm sure that um, you know Daryl and his coaching team and the powers that be at that club will will turn it around and, and get it right. Um, but what I will say is that the reason why, to answer your question, that there's so many Warrington players involved in both nations is because they are talented players, you know, and they, you know, we certainly know that Pete Mattalio and Daryl Clark, you know, some people may argue they're not in the best form. Partly, that could be partly an individual reason, but also could be partly because collectively the team's not performing. Um, and I'm really excited to see Peter and, and Daryl. You know, I worked with Peter last year uh, in the Combined Nations. He was outstanding, you know, um, what a great person, brought great energy. Um, and he's he got the man of the match performance in that game, if I remember correctly. He was brilliant. And Daryl Clark, I've had the joy of working with him over the you know, previous four seasons and seeing him grow and develop as a player and, and know what his talent is and what he's capable of delivering. Um, I'm excited and I'm, and I'm really excited to see him uh, step it up this week for us at the Combined Nations. I've got every confidence he will perform and deliver for us if selected. Hmm. Uh, you sound like a head coach. <laughs> 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 um, just just a couple of couple of more general ones on the, on the World Cup. Um, we're a long way off. We'll, we'll probably have a better idea at the business end of the season. What do you think England's prospects are a lot of people are saying they're probably further away now than they were four years ago. Yeah, I'm. If I'm honest, George, yeah, I, I think it's going to be, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be fairly. It's going to be tough. Um, you know, they need what they need. That well, one thing is they need their best players available, and they need them healthy and playing well, without a shadow of a doubt. My only concern with England at the moment, George, is I'm. I just I see a, a slight lack of depth. Yeah. And I think that's probably no disrespect, but I think you can see that probably in the uh, the the selection of the the current England side for, for this fixture. Yeah, well, I know Sean, Sean Wayne was saying to me yesterday when I spoke to him. He, you know, in his ideal world, he wants five players competing for every position. Yeah. I, now I've tried writing down five players for any, every yeah. position. I couldn't do it. That's well. That well, there you go. I, I haven't heard that from Sean, but that there you go. That probably marries up what I've just said there. My concern for England is the strength in depth. You know, so Sean ideally would like five top quality players in each position competing, like that are that international standard. Um, I'm, I just, you know, I just that's my concern. I don't think England have got the 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 depth of numbers of that level of player. Um, and it's not saying that it's not something we can't develop. Uh, with these players over time. But I think at this current moment in time, uh, you'd have to, I think everyone can, it's plain to see that strength of depth is not quite there. We've got, I'll tell you something, George, the Super League, there's plenty of really good quality English players in the Super League, no doubt about it. But for those that have played at international level, know that that is just a step. It's another step up again. So you can be in a tremendous club player. doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a, a, yeah. a, an international standard player. Um, you know, and I'm just not sure England have got enough of that international standard players in terms of the depth of their ranks. I think if you get their best 17 on the field, mate, they've got a genuine chance. But are they going to have that best 17 available come World Cup time? Will there be injuries, suspensions, 
uh, people out of form. And then my worry is, is what's underneath to be able to come in and replace that. I'm not sure there's enough there to do that. Would you I, agree? I 100% agree with that. And what, what frightens me a bit as a passionate England Rugby League fan is coming straight off the back of Origin 1. And I watched that and I think, nowhere near. <laughs> we're, like, yeah, yeah. we're nowhere near being able to do anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But in saying that, one advantage, you know, Sean Wade's a quality coach. Oh, you, yeah. can't, you can't deny that, right? Um, and I, I believe, you know, I've only come across Sean on a few occasions and I don't know him inside and out like some people, but I know he's passionate about about coaching England. I know he will he will instill a confidence and a belief within his players. Um, I believe, uh, you know, he'll have his team firing come World Cup time. Uh, and and I, I suppose in some respects, them being under the radar might go in their favour a little bit because it is a home World Cup. There will be a lot of pressure and expectation, but if they go in slightly, like I said, maybe not as strong as what people perceive them to be, he can he can use that and, and fuel that in a different direction. You know what I mean? So I think that could be something they could use to their advantage and maybe catch a few teams unaware because they're thinking, ah, yeah, it's not the England of old. They're not the same. They're not got the Burgesses. They're not got these guys. Like you know what I mean? These talismanic figures that they've they've had in the past and the, the Grahams and they're no longer there. So they might go under the radar a little bit. But there is some quality in that England side. And and if I think if Sean can create that confidence and belief within that group. Um, there's no reason why they can't surprise some teams, uh, but they are going to need to be at their best in this World Cup. They are going to need to have the best players available, I think, if they're going to have a genuine chance of, of winning it. Um, but certainly they'll go in as, as underdogs. There's no doubt about that in, in this World Cup coming up. It'd be great to see the other home nations there as well, with you know, with Ireland uh, yeah. playing um, with Wales. And of course, you as a former Scotland captain, yeah. what chance Scotland getting out of the group? Oh, look, I, I don't know. I'll have to see, you know, I, I don't think, if I'm honest with you, I think, you know, for Scotland Rugby League, which is it's disappointing for me to say, I do think it has regressed since those eras. I, I think the, the golden era for Scotland was in that sort of 2013 to sort of 2016 in the Four Nations and the and that World Cup, you know. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be part of that group that got its first ever World Cup win in 2008, went unbeaten in the group stages in 2013, got knocked out by New Zealand in the quarterfinals. Um, I retired after that, but then that that group or that core of that group with some other quality players were able to achieve uh, a great achievement in reaching the Four Nations and, and securing the first point in a Four Nations by a, a team that was ranked outside the top three. Uh, so it was a tremendous achievement for Scotland Rugby League, but I just don't feel it. Again, they're another one where I'm not sure they've got the quality of, uh, of depth uh, available to, to take them to them heights at this moment in time, which I think for me, probably when you're looking at probably the Northern Hemisphere, it's probably making it pretty glaringly obvious that we need to be doing more about developing players, uh, maybe creating more player, a player pool or, or talent pathway for, for players to develop uh, and exposing them to, to more international fixtures as well. Um, because that's my concern. I think at the moment for, for a lot of these nations, uh, speaking of developing players, my next question was going to be um, about your your day job, really. Um, yep. You're at Keithley at the moment, yes. the director of rugby role there, and one of your you know your your key responsibilities oh. is that pathway in developing players. Whatever you are doing, Hendo, at the moment, you seem to be doing very well because the Cougars are in a really <laughs> in rude health at the moment in in League One. Yeah, thank you. Um, but like you said, George. You know, um, it's not just down to me. Uh, you know, I've got some really good people at that club. You know, I've got fantastic owners that have been very supportive. You know what I mean? They've listened. Um, they've they've backed myself and the coaching team there to 
uh, to put certain things in place, some infrastructure and some systems, and um, you know, and and they've they've allowed us to do that, and they've they've backed us, and and you don't always get that at every club, and um, I'm really pleased that we have those those owners who, for me, share the same ambition and aspiration as we do as a performance team. Um, but then alongside that, we've got a great young head coach in Reese Lovegrove, who I think is doing a, a really, really good job. And I'm enjoying working with him and mentoring and coaching him. And, um, and then we've got Chris Black in as our head of performance, very experienced former Leeds Rhinos, head of performance in England Rugby League. Uh, and Richard Lawrence, who's the current Welsh international doctor and Huddersfield Giants club doctor as our head of medical. So, what I've done is got some some good experienced people in the sort of department heads and um, and obviously some good support there for Reese uh, and also mainly for the players to give them the best chance to to develop further um, to give them the best chance on that field with the with the finance and resource that we have at our our disposal. So uh, look, mate, it's it, it's good, but like I said, it's it's not just down to me. We've got a like I said a really good performance team staff wise that are, are supportive. You know, and they've what I like about them is they've had that growth mindset. They've been willing to to change some habits and and learn and develop. They've had that willingness to do that, and so have the players. I'll be honest, George. You know, I came in at the start of preseason, and, and I said to these, this, the playing group, I said, "Look, if we are serious about achieving something here as a group, then we're doing a lot of really good things." Because there was some lot of good things going on at the club before I arrived, but we are going to have to change some habits, and it's going to be challenging for you, and you're going to have to make some sacrifices. And and for the large part, the majority have, have pulled in that direction. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm really pleased to see because when I speak to them now at the midway point, you can say, "Well, look, there's a reason why we are where we are." I challenged you on a few things. You've you've bought into that. You've changed your habits. You're doing all the right things on and off the field collectively. And there's, that's the reason why you are sitting 10 from 10 at the halfway point of the league one season. So um, it's really, really pleasing to see. Uh, and then on top of that, to have an influence on the recruitment retention of staff and players and also setting up the performance pathways, which we're doing at the moment. We've just got our England Talent Pathway Program off the ground. So we've got an under-12s uh, in operation, we've got 35 kids in that program at the moment. Um, we've got four local coaches working with those those kids, so we're developing those local coaches as well. Uh, and then we've got an under 16 sort of development squad, about 10 players involved in that, um, uh, just to sort of develop those guys. And that's where we're at. We're, we're not gone too crazy. I'm not going to uh, try and was it run before we walk. You know, small steps. But to say we're a League One club and we've we've got some junior pathways in place, we've built up a really strong connection and link with the Keithley College. So probably in about 18 months' time, I'd like to be able to set up a, a development academy out of there. Uh, that'll be the next stage of progression. So these kids then can go from 12s to 14s to 16s, development academy. The rules may change and they, they may allow us a reserve grade in the future. Hopefully we can get that in place. And then obviously that feeds into the first team. And, and if that can be all done during the time I'm here, I'll be extremely proud of that. Uh, and if the club is obviously in the championship and, and competing and doing a good job there, then, you know, that's, I'll be really, really pleased. Uh, last rugby question. Yeah. The last, the last victory for Keithley was over Cornwall. You were down there. Your yeah. neck of the woods where, you yes. know, where you, you were from, where you, where you grew up. Uh, it's, it's a very bold uh, concept to try and make Cornwall work. You beat them. They've lost every game yep. is it sustainable um what what are they going to need to do to to stay alive really and yeah and sure this isn't just some, this gimmick that fades away yeah it's a, it's a really good question uh george i'll be honest with you um i love expansion i love the fact that we we, we, we want to expand the game and take it to new areas 
the only criticism I have with some of these expansion teams is we dump a team in an area, okay, and then we just kind of put a bit of money into it and then we and then we hope it grows and then if it doesn't quite do what it needs to do, it, it falls through and then it goes kaput. You know what I mean? Um, and what the, the reason I'm saying that is that what needs to happen is when you are going to expand the game and take it into other areas, I feel at first there needs to be a strong amateur competition already in that area. So that's where my challenge is for Cornwall is really Cornwall and Devon should have probably six to eight teams playing in a regular competition. So there's a bit of a player pool already there. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's Then what you've also got then is potentially a small fan base, but people that follow rugby league, you've got what I call rugby league people on the ground there. That's where you'll be able to get some volunteers or volunteer because they enjoy rugby league. They, they know the game rather than going, put a team somewhere that's not got rugby league really going on. I think there's maybe one amateur team in that area. There's not a lot going on down there. And then expecting people to really yeah, buy into it. You know, I, I think you need to grow it more organically by starting at the grassroots, get the grassroots up and running, get kids playing the game there. You know, does that make sense? Get yeah. the amateur club and amateur system up. Then look to put the semi-pro club in because then you've got juniors playing it, the juniors feeding into the senior amateur clubs. The amateur clubs are the best best players for them will feed into the semi-pro club with a few outsiders to make it competitive. And then it just keeps growing and building that way. Um, and, and I think that's where we miss the trick a lot with some of these teams is we go to these areas and they the, the, the strength in terms of player pool and resource and people with rugby league knowledge as well in the area just isn't there. Um, there's a reason why Catlan works. Why did Catlan work? Because there's semi-professional rugby league already played in that area. There's amateur rugby league played already in that area. There's kids in that area playing. So there's a constant flow, of a conveyor belt of players um, and people, staff that coach, that know the game, that are involved in the game. That so, And then there's a genuinely then a fan base off the back of that. Does that make sense? And I think that's, that's the the challenge for, for those places like Cornwall and that, um, because again the game is not at its strongest in that area. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. No, you, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be very very interesting. I don't think that I can't see them winning a game this year, but it'll be interesting to see where they go uh, beyond that. Listen, um, I, I'm going to let you get to bed because I'm conscious of keeping you up late on a, on a <laughs> so night funny. when you're in camp and you need to be setting examples for your players. Um, yeah. It's always great chatting to you what, what chance what chance are you you guys winning again and making it back to back wins over England oh look it, w- listen we're not under any false illusions you know this England team will be ready to go uh, come Saturday as they were were last year there wasn't much in the contest last year I think come down to two points uh, it was a really it was a it was a highly skilled entertaining game of rugby league last year um, it was very competitive I think it gave what the head coach for England wanted that competitive fixture that, that he needed, albeit not on the right side of the result. Um, uh, so again, for us, if we're going to get a result out of it, you know, we have to be at our best. There's no doubt about it. We're going to have to have our best performance, um, you know, that, we, that we've got, you know, in, in us really uh, to get the job done because I think we'll become up against a very, very highly motivated England side um, on Saturday. Get some sleep, Hando. Great chatting. Good luck Cheers, in the weekend. Good Thanks, mate. Uh, good we'll catch up soon <laughs> and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports 
Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.